Testing, testing. Okay, I've got, I'm good. We can start recording. Hey, I'm start, we're recording. Okay. Welcome to Love Rise 2.0, and this is Jenny Gassel. I'm a therapist intern working in Arizona, and I'm co-hosting here with Dr. Skinner, who is the director at Outer Recovery. And Always good to be with you. Always good. Um, so today I have a question and a thought. Um, COVID-19, right, keeps us all more isolated, keeps us quarantined, has changed a lot of things for us. Our routines are different. I know personally I've had to kind of revamp what my daily looks like. And, um, you know, I've, I've seen a few of my clients and they've been noticing this, that this whole experience has broken down a whole new layer of their recovery. And, you know, like we were talking, some people are ready for this and some people aren't. And there's, you know, no judgment either way. But because of what's happening, it's just, this just is. So the kind of the breakdown of what's happening is that my normal routine, my normal busy, which is a really easy way to stay numbed out when I'm triggered, when I'm worried, when I'm concerned, when um, things are overwhelming, I go about my day. I do the dishes, do the laundry, go to Target, um, pick up kids, um, you know, do this and that and this and that that keeps me in my functional numbness. And I've had a few clients say my functional numbness is breaking apart. And underneath that, I'm noticing my behaviors. I'm noticing my pain. I'm noticing that I am numbing out, even though I thought I was doing well. Yeah, well, actually, there's uh, Dr. Daniel Wagner in his book, uh, White Bears and Other Unwanted Thoughts. Hmm. I've heard of that book. one. <laughs> yeah, anyway, it, it's an interesting one. It's an older one, but he talks about the difference between distractions and avoidance. And and he says distractions are, are not bad. They, they distract us away from certain emotions or thoughts that we don't want to have or we're not ready to have. The other is simple avoidance, like trying to say, oh, don't think about that. Don't think about that. The moment you say don't, your brain actually does. Stinky little thing, huh? <laughs> yeah, well, think about it. If you say mm -hmm. don't think about the pink elephant in the living room, mm -hmm. you're going to think about the pink elephant in the living room. So there's a difference here between a distraction, which our lives can be very distracting. Taking children here, getting them to places, getting meals on, doing the laundry, paying the bills going to work, balancing that, that stuff. All of the stuff. And now with COVID-19, it's like, I don't have to go run the children here. And I can't go out and visit this person. And I can't, and I can't, and I can't. So here I am in my home, alone or with this stuff going on, having time to think in a way that I haven't had time before, at least recently. Yeah, this required change in our routine has, um, like I said, for some women that I've seen, it's kind of broken apart uh, for them. Their old patterns, they're noticing, oh, this functional numbness that I've been doing isn't actually working for me. I thought I was doing well. I thought I was, you know, feeling good. But I'm having some second thoughts. So I have a couple of thoughts about that. The first is, it, because I'm being forced to slow down, is it coming up? Or is it possible that I'm also experiencing additional stress and that stress is triggering these fears and these anxieties or these whatever those things are that are coming up with the betrayal trauma? It, it, it could be both. I'm, I'm slowing down, but I'm also more stressed. 
Also, I mean, is there another layer there that I'm kind of hearing, which is um, my normal coping mechanisms of being busy isn't available to me anymore? It, right, right. So what is that new coping mechanism? Well, my brain is starting to solve a problem or trying to solve a problem. Mm. So what kind of uh, direction would you invite you know, people that are struggling with this to go? You know, my, my favorite right now is a lot of self-care with awareness building. So, so explain that, yeah, the awareness building part. Yeah, so the awareness building is, is more attunement to self. We've talked about mindfulness. We talk about slowing down and being more attuned to self and the body. That, that certainly needs to be a part of it, which could be part of self-care. But really, if you pause long enough, you say, this mindfulness is actually increasing my awareness. What, what is my body experiencing right now? Which would be a great question for all of us right now because of the stress of the COVID-19 virus. What, what am I experiencing? Am I, am I eating more? Am, am I, how am I dealing or coping with this experience? That's the awareness that I'm trying to get more and more people to be aware of because it, it's not right or wrong. It's just we're experiencing it right now. Yeah, I like that question. So kind of slowing that down, I kind of want to highlight that a little bit here. What is my experience? Because we're how many weeks in now to this? And um, it seems that I'm hearing a lot more people and myself even in my own home, you know, the stress is higher than it has been. Um, It was more funner, more funner at first, you know, we'd play around and whatever, but the fun has um, died down a little bit and it's become stressful, hard, overwhelming. Um, things are starting to crack for people at yeah. this point. And, and part of that is I'm, I'm now in this environment with my family that maybe I'm not even used to being around them this much. Right. And, and so we are more sensitive and we are more uh, maybe on alert of, man, is this going to end? Is our life going to normalize? And, and I think that in and of itself, the stress can be triggering some of the other traumas or other stressors that are also a burden to the mind. Yeah. So kind of in this case, when I'm thinking about this, um, you know, when in some ways breaking this all apart and noticing that uh, my busyness has been a coping mechanism for me, that in and of itself is a huge thing to notice, right? You're already being aware of yourself. You're already noticing yourself and what you do. So noticing that I'm busy and noticing that I'm using busyness to cover up my feelings or to cover up what's going on, you know, like you mentioned earlier, okay, is it time to look at myself and see what I can do different, what I want to do different, what direction I want to go, uh, what my compass is really telling me inside? Versus the other side of the spectrum could be the individual who is just really in too much uh, pain or trauma to go that route. So what, would, what advice would you give for either one of those people? The person who's in, in, in a lot of trauma in addition to this stress, my, my biggest suggestion is making sure that you, you reach out for support. Uh, it, it's really difficult at times like this to fly solo. In trauma, yes, it is because there, then you feel more isolated, more alone, more emptiness, and you begin to feel like, "What am I doing here? Why? why I, I can't go anywhere. I feel trapped." And really, that connection at least gives us somebody to get a, a normalization from. 
a person who can listen, a friend. And if they don't have that, then I would suggest journaling about the suffering, the pain, the concerns, the worries, and the fears. So reaching out, trying to find someone that they can connect with. And during this time, that's really hard. Um, also, when you feel isolated and in trauma, that's really hard. I, I know yeah. my own experience, you know, I didn't want to reach out to anyone and tell them what I was feeling. It was uh, humiliating. It was, I felt, you know, I was the only one in the whole world. It's difficult. It's It can't even get the words out of your throat. So, you know, a baby step like you're suggesting is writing it down, getting it out of your body. Give it a voice. Give it a voice. Um, I, I'm absolutely convinced that part of the trauma and part of the anxiety that comes with that trauma is the silence. So tra I've often said trauma needs a voice. It needs to be heard. And sometimes that first starting point is actually just throwing it up on a piece of paper or in a journal, a uh, written form or typed form. But let it flow. You know, and that can, and I just want to kind of validate this a little bit because I've seen also that even, even, okay, I can't say it. It's in, you know, it's in my throat. It's stuck. I can't get it out. So trying to write it on paper is the next plan. But even pen to paper can be very difficult to get it out. And so the invitation to let it flow, sentences don't need to be sentences, periods don't need to be, you know, you draw it out, color it out, scribble it out, write it out, rip it up when you're done if you don't want to see it or have it near you. You know, giving that expression, I think, like you're yeah. saying. Yeah. So, so if individuals don't have somewhere to turn, that's one solution. The, the other is actually, and I think this is really beneficial, it's actually talking it out, even if you're by yourself, giving it an external, putting it out of you is, is a way to express. I love that. But that is a... That is a, has been a big go-to for me my entire life. I get on my bike and just cruise around the block and talk it out. Mm -hmm. You know, you might I, look a little crazy, but it works. <laughs> and, and you know what? Who cares? Who cares? It? it doesn't matter at all. No, it doesn't and, matter. And if we can take away the judgment of that voice, we're, we're, we're having self-empathy, if you want to say it that way. Or, or compassion or self-compassion, compassion for my suffering. But empathy is being with my own pain and feeling. Right? It's okay. It's okay to be in pain right now. It's okay to feel this hurt and not judging it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a powerful thing to get outside, go for a walk, go for a jog, get on your bike, whatever it might be, and talk it out. Yeah. I, I've noticed like the movement of my body and talking at the same time have been really helpful for me. So that's the one end of the spectrum where the, uh, someone's in trauma and all these layers are starting to come off and they're just feeling very raw. The other end of the spectrum that we touched on was the person who is noticing the layers coming off and is noticing, okay, I've used this busyness to numb out as a coping mechanism, but it doesn't feel like a healthy thing that I want to continue. You know, it sounds to me like we can really build some resilience in this person at this point. Yeah, because the awareness is, okay... Here I am. I'm sitting with it. It's here right now. Let's go. Let's go learn from it. And for me, it's no different than the other direction. It's I get to learn and intentionally create the what I want to do now. Right. I've been living chaos. I mean, I've been absolutely living chaos. I don't have to live. In fact, it's really nice not to be in chaos. I've talked to a lot of people who've said this has actually been a little bit refreshing because I don't have to run at the pace I've been running, which might be one of the best blessings of COVID-19 
is we've got to slow down. Yeah. And we have to. And I like that what you're kind of alluding to there is the idea that I choose to not be busy. I choose to not let busyness rule my life. And rule and my pace. Not judge it. And not judge it. You know, that reminds me of something else. Um what had a, a client in the office and we were talking about pace. And this was months ago, but um, we're talking about pace and the pace of life and the busyness and the overwhelmingness of it and everyone's input. And so your your pace is just, you know, she was moving at such a fast pace and I, she was lying down on the couch and I said, well, why don't you take your hand on your heart here and move at the pace that that you're going right now, that everybody in, is pushing you at, that you're pushing yourself at. What does that pace feel like? So she's, you know, tapping on herself like, yeah, it's fast, it's busy, it's... And then I said, okay, let's take a breath or two. Um, now check in. What do you want? What's your desired pace? Mm. And then. You know, that felt mm. ability to realize, oh, yeah. I have a desire for a different pace. I could actually slow it down if I wanted to or change the pace. If I want that to. is absolutely right. Brilliant. That, that's what we're trying to say. Intentional living, rather than this chaotic run, chase, go after, it's okay to say no. It's okay to say I can't. It's completely good to have boundaries. Mm-hmm. Even to say no when there's expectations, right? That's the hard one. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And and that's really what I would say to that person. They've Their life has come to this place where they're now more aware that they've been running. Now it's okay to say, what? how do I want to create it moving forward? Yeah. I like how you've said, you know, whatever spectrum of this that you might find yourself on, the questions are the same. The question, really you know, the question is, what, what pace do I want right now? Yeah. So maybe we, we leave this episode with that, you know, um, you know, this final kind of invitation to everybody out there is check in with your own pace. Feel what you and, want. Yeah. And don't judge it. That's the thing that has been such a damaging part is we judge based on, well, they're doing this and they're racing there. Well, forget the Instagrams and the Facebook posts of where they're going. Could you imagine somebody celebrating? I did nothing and I celebrated the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> by doing nothing. Yeah. Without judgment. Without judgment. Mm. All right, let's do it. Okay. All right, it's always fun. I love the conversations. Thank you. That's been good. All right, Love Rice team, we'll see you on the flip side. All right, we'll see you guys later. Bye bye.